Mike Acker is an executive and communication coach, a keynote speaker, and the author of four books, including the best-selling Speak With No Fear. This has appeared on numerous book lists, and it's even gotten the designation as the number one book on overcoming the fear of speaking on Forbes.com. Mike passionately coaches business professionals to lead and speak with confidence. In presentations, he entertains and inspires audiences using stories of growing up as the son to drug smugglers who turn missionaries. He retells and relates lessons learned on how to overcome insecurity and exclusion in a cross-cultural setting. And he unpacks the path from employee to manager to leader. Mike also enjoys rock climbing, wake surfing, skiing, church, building Legos with his son, and going on dates with his wife, Taylor. Mike believes in the power of prayer. He believes in exercise, journaling, and real community to counter the stresses of everyday life. If you want to learn more about getting inside communication and growing as a leader and a person, join me for this episode of the Inside BS Show. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, it's an honor to have you here. Hey, thank you so much, Dave. Looking forward to being with you and talking with you today. All right, so let's talk first about, I I highlighted in the intro your, your great background. I need you to share with the folks who are listening uh, your story. Tell us, tell us how you, well, first I want to know about being part of drug smuggling and then smuggling <laughs> Bibles into China. I want to hear about all that. And then we'll talk about how you got into being an executive coach and a communications coach. So tell us about drug smuggling and, and then tell us about getting Bibles into China. Yeah. So entrepreneurial spirit runs in my family. My dad realized when he was in college that to make his way through, to pay his way through, that selling drugs was way faster, mostly marijuana, was way faster of an income source than working at restaurants or at you know some fast food restaurant. So, so he cut out the middleman with his entrepreneurial spirit. He cut out the middleman by learning Spanish, learning how to fly planes, go down to Mexico and other places, Colombia and elsewhere, and then bring it back and sell it on the college campuses. And then it just kept on growing. Statute of limitations has gone past. So, so I can mention some of that now. Of course, he's not confessing to it still. But that ran into really eventually having kids with my with my mom. And then he switched over to coffee business. And then he switched over to nonprofit. He became a very, very sold out Christian where he wanted to do things like really help the poor. So they started mission projects and all kinds of other different things that they did throughout the years. Part of that was in the 80s, China was very close to any any type of religion. It's opened up fairly a lot more now. And, and so we, we, as a family, went over there with a group of people and put a whole bunch of Bibles under the kids' suitcases clothes, like all like a thin layer of clothes. My, my sister and I still talk about this. My dad's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But my sister and I still talk about how we had Bibles layered under like T-shirts of kids' T-shirts with one of those big, huge, heavy roller bags that they used to have in the 80s, right? The ones that would hit your knees. 
And we remember putting it on the scanner and somehow not getting noticed. And really our whole extended family was just totally ticked off at my parents because they're thinking, what are you doing? You could have been arrested and, and then you would have, your kids wouldn't have had parents and who knows what would have happened to the kids. So that, that is all, obviously there's so much to unpack there, but ultimately the entrepreneurial spirit led my dad to all kinds of crazy adventures. And I got to be a part of many of them. So it strikes me that you were almost, your family was almost as petrified, maybe even more scared to get Bibles into China as you were to bring drugs into the country. <laughs> you know, well, actually it's so funny because my dad said, I asked him about this one time and he said, Mike, I figured that for years I got away with drugs and smugs, and now I'm doing something good, and I figured I could do it. Oh, my goodness. So, he said, for years I was doing something bad, and now I was doing something that maybe God's on my side this time. So, I, so he so did that. I, I, I wanted you to start with that story because I need yeah. to know, do you, when when you speak from the stage, do you yeah. do you often open with that type of story? Like, is that how you capture people's attention? Because that's an amazing origin story for you. Absolutely. It depends on what I'm talking about, of course. I can't grab that and then switch over to how to, how to communicate better, right? But I can use it when I'm talking about different keynotes of leadership or the decisions that we make or shifts that we're making. So often there's one of the keynotes that I work on with people. I come in and I talk about the decisions that you make, make you. That's the overall theme about it. And then we talk about shifts that you can make in your decision-making process and how to increase that so that you can get to where you want to go. But I start out by coming up on stage and I say, my dad was a drug dealer. My mom was a witch and I became a pastor. <laughs> that's the pause. And I'll say the decisions that they made not only changed their lives, but it changed mine. And the decisions you make right here and now, although it might not be as big as what we're talking about there, it will have a huge effect on your life and on your legacy. What decisions are you making? And then we obviously bring it into what we're talking about. All right. So give us the give us the coach and coach us up here on uh, you know communication strategy the power of having a, an emotionally engaging story to start your talk we the the folks who are listening there are a lot of entrepreneurs there but there are just as many probably professionals who do yeah. a lot of speaking in their day-to-day -day life and they're very fact based right they present a pattern of facts very logical Coach us up and explain why we need to emotionally engage people right from the start. You are wasting your time when you get up in front of people and you don't say anything that's important. So people come up and they say, um, all right, uh, so, okay, here we go. All right, all right. Um, thank you for being here. My name is Mike Acker. And the moment you start like that, and so many people, because my clientele mostly are these professionals who are increasing their career. Most people, when they start like that, it's kind of to buy time to kind of ramp up. It's swinging the bat before hitting the ball. Mm -hmm. But when you do that... You, you end up losing the attention of people and people zone out. Mm -hmm. So much more important to grab their attention and create that 
relationship. There's other ways you can create relationships. I wrote a book called Speak With No Fear. I talk about one of the strategies is to, before you go into a speaking engagement, spend some time or a meeting or a presentation or a team meeting, spend some time personally connecting with people off the stage and don't stand in front of the stage. Don't stand even in front of the camera. Don't stand where you're going to be talking from until you are going to talk, develop that connection so that people know that you are real and you are you. And then the moment you get into the meeting mode, start. Start with something that is going to grab their attention. I wrote a second book called How to Write or Write to to Speak, and it's all about how to write a speech. And the idea there is start with a hook and lure. Get them onto the line. Then you can reel them in, but get them onto the line with something interesting. So you got the connection beforehand, and then you got this attention getting right away so that they want to hear who who you are and what you have to say. Don't waste those moments. One of the pushbacks I get is, well, everybody knows me. Great. Well, then you really don't have to start with anything boring. Just jump into it. You could jump in the moment it's your time, start off with some shocking statistics about Q3. Or the moment you get up there, start out with a quote that you read from a book and then pause dramatically and then go into your talk. Even in those conversations where I say, my dad was a drug dealer, my mom was a witch, and I became a pastor. And then I gave this little intro. Then I'll say, I'm Mike Acker. I'll introduce myself after I've already got their attention. Right. Uh, so that's so important. That's great advice. Let's talk a little bit about, I love the title of your book, Speak With No Fear. And a lot of people who do what you do will often say, hey, you know, if you look at the top fears today, number one fear is, of course, terrorism. Number two fear is getting up in front of a group of people and then and then speaking. Talk about how, I mean, my mindset is when I get in front of a group, my mindset is that everybody in the room wants me to succeed. Nobody there is rooting for me to fail. How tough is it for to, to convey that to people? I mean, I'm sure you deal with a lot of executives who are petrified to get in front of people. How, how tough is it to convey to people that everybody wants you to succeed? Everybody wants you to do well. They want to have a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a whole strategy talking about that in the book. And I, I say, it's not about you. And the whole idea is when when people are listening to you, they don't care how well you do, only insofar as it benefits them. They don't care that you stammer, that you pause. I actually allow my flubs to happen because it allows people to say, oh, that person's real. But ultimately, they want to they want to hear something from you that is going to help them do their job. That's going to help them understand what to do next. It's going to help. So they're self-interested. They're self-interested. And that means they want you to do well because you're going to help them. The person who goes onto a plane, I use this analogy in the book, they they want the pilot to do well. But why do they want the pilot to do well? Not so the pilot can get the promotion. They're not going, man, I hope this pilot does a really great job. I hope that they move up the ranks of, of Delta. No, they want the pilot to do well. So they have a really nice trip. So they want you to succeed. They want you to succeed so that they succeed. And there's a lot of self-interest in audiences. You go to watch a entertainer. It's not, hey, I want this entertainer to make more money. It's I want this entertainer to make me laugh and I'm spending money because I want to laugh. Likewise for any keynoter, likewise for any presenter, people want 
you to bring value to them. They're not interested and they're not thinking through and criticizing you as long as you help them. So if you make it about your audience, if you bring value, if you give something of importance, then they're going to walk away no matter how well you did in terms of performance. They're going to walk away and say, that person gave me something. That person helped me out. So when I walk through that with with clients, they go, oh, they're really not thinking about what I am looking like. Yeah, maybe it processes and it's important to a degree, but they're really much more interested in, am I helping them? You know, I I help people publish books as a side thing. The cover is important just to get noticed. Much more important is, is the book good? Now, the cover is important because it helps you get past and get into the content. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I've read some really bad looking books with gold content. And I've read some really good looking books with bad content. I'd rather someone get up in front of people and look okay and give the people something valuable. Now, preferably, get all the skills, get the performance, and get great content. So when I help people... And I, and I walk through this with them I, again and again. It's like, there's a shift in their thinking. Oh, a lot of the reason why people are nervous is because they're thinking again and again, what are they, what's Dave thinking about me? What's the audience thinking about me? Instead, we should be thinking about them. Mm-hmm. I always remember when I was in middle school, you walk into a room, Dave, you remember these days where you walk into a room and, and you're thinking, what's everybody thinking about me? What's everybody thinking about me? And no one's thinking about you. Everybody's too busy thinking about themselves. Of course. And we haven't yeah. changed that much. Now, so you you have this philosophy about uh, you you be you, right? It's it's yep. it's kind of like, uh, you know, the the Popeye, I am what I am. But you give permission to people to be to be themselves. Explain to people why that's so important and how it helps them. Yeah. So there's an aspect that we need to improve ourselves, but we also need to accept ourselves. And we often get those switched. We try to improve that which we need to accept, and we accept that which we need to improve. And we need to get those in the right place. Study ourselves, and yes, improve yourself, but also accept yourself. A lot of people come to me and they want to work on accent reduction. Really, they just want to sound like someone else. And so I'll talk with them and find that out and I'll help them get their words clear. But I'll say, your accent is actually part of who you are. It yeah, I, I didn't realize that was a thing, huh? People come to you and they want, I guess, I, I guess because I speak to English audiences and I have a, well, I have a bit of a New York accent, but it's, you know, it's, it's recognizable, right? So, so you, you encourage them to embrace that. Yeah, embrace it. Increase your enunciation. Get get your words out there, but don't get stuck up on I gotta erase this marker of my origin. I, I gotta sound like everybody else. Likewise, I'll often ask people, who is it that you want to be like? And they'll tell me, I'll say, tell me who what that person's like. Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask them questions like, now what do you want to be like? And I'll ask them those questions separate from each other. And so interesting that the person that they admire. Later, when they describe who they want to be like, it's often the same. And then I'll say, well, how is that person different from you? And they start seeing that they're actually trying to be someone other than themselves. So there's this this one guy I was working with. He's a CEO of a multi-state company. He's all over the place. And he's gregarious. He's funny. He moves a lot. He owns the entire space. 
And the moment he went into this pitch that we were working on, he got extremely serious. And I said, what happened right there? Well, he says, that's just a type of communication. No, no, no. That's the type of communication you think you need to give. You need to be yourself. You'll sell your ideas better when it's coming from you versus some version of you. Yeah, what happens to people? I've seen this too, uh, both with clients and with with some speakers who who I've shared the stage with. All of a sudden, they feel like they need to take on a different persona. Now, look, I'm not talking about like, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian sure. who is playing yeah. a character when he gets up on stage. I'm talking about, you know, the the... The, the person who may be a professional speaker or maybe they're maybe speaking is just part of what they do. All of a sudden they're in front of a camera and they're on stage and they decide that they have to take on a different persona in order to communicate their message. Was, is that taught somewhere? Because I, I see it happen all the time. How do you get people out of that mindset? Yeah, well, it usually comes from either admiration of someone mm. or just this idea that that's the right type of environment that you do. For example, if you go golfing, you have this idea in your mind, and it's a correct idea, is that it needs to be collared. Mm. And there's just different dress codes in different places. So people have in their mind that in the professional workspace, there's a dress code per se mm -hmm. for speaking. And so they they try to get to be that type of person. Or they have someone they admire, that someone that taught them. So I've seen this in the military where someone wants to be like their commanding officer. I saw it in the church a whole bunch when I was a pastor and speaker for many years in that environment. I would see people come up and they're just talking like this. And they'd get up on stage and say, oh, <laughs> I got a message for you today. I'm thinking, what has happened right there? They're, they're, they take on a totally different cadence because they think that's who oh, they need to be. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it's because they admire someone and they listen to someone a whole bunch. And then they take on that tonality. They take on. So come back and study yourself. Find out who you are. And what you do, and then take that into your environment. Now you can improve it, improve it by diction, improve it by enunciation, improve it by using pauses, improve it by all of those different external things that we can do with our hands, with our eyes. You can improve it, but accept who you are. The best example of this in the professional world is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs did not try to do what the Bill Gates of his time were doing. He didn't get up there and do the boring old CEO presentation. He got up there and did it the way he wanted to in his style. And as a result, many people tried to be like him because he was really good at being him. Yeah. We're speaking with Mike Acker. You can go to his website and find out all about his programs and the four books he's written. And his website is M-I-K-E-A-C-K-E-R.com, MikeAcker.com. All right, Mike. So let's talk about how... Uh, when an executive comes to you, give us actually give us a success story. Give us a story of a, you know, perhaps a quiet or a more reserved executive who needed to speak for his for his occupation or for her job. And, you know, take us through the transformation that occurred and how you helped them. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a CEO in San Francisco area and she was working on a presentation for MIT. She's getting her brand out there. She's getting her product out there. And when she came, she had no idea what she wanted to say. She didn't have a vocal confidence about what she was going to say. She just had a great product. And a lot of people, they've done well, 
A lot of people, they've excelled, but now they don't have that presence to get it out there or the ability to do so. So we actually did a quite thorough engagement. We worked three times a week. We co-wrote the speech together, but ultimately had her ideas, her technical and her voice. Every week you could see as she's getting this confidence from me encouraging her, helping her bring out the best in her, putting the content together and then working on the delivery skills. You could see just the shoulders being a little bit straighter. You could see the voice getting a little bit louder and more, more depth to it. And then she came up in front of several hundred people at MIT and gave this presentation. And instead of being this squeaky, lacking confidence, insecure, nervous person, she went up, she owned it. She had a great look about her, very professional and very thorough in her presentation, poignant jokes. It was amazing to see. This was a three-month transformation. Mm -hmm. She worked it. One of the things that we did is we did a lot of videos and recorded it. And so at one point in time, I actually presented the speech that we had worked on in the way that I thought she would probably do it. And she went and she watched that again and again and then personalized it so mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to be me. And then she got up in there. It was just amazing to see the, the difference. It, it's like one of those weight training programs that people go on. They start out in a condition that they're not proud of, that they're not excited about with lacking energy. And then over the course of time of learning something different, having that feedback and doing things differently, they come out as a total different person. So as you learn something new about what you're doing and you get that feedback and then you put in these small practices on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you arrive at a completely different destination. There are many other stories, but that's one of my favorite. To I see love it. No, it's a great, that's a great example. To, yeah, yeah. Help us, help us with how to, how to practice. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. I having, having kind of grown up speaking in front of people. I mean, you have a, you have a background where you were a pastor. So multiple times a week, but definitely in front of a huge audience, I'm sure once a week you were, you were in front of people with a prepared message. I mean, that really hones your skills. Most people don't have access to stuff like that, especially now. We're recording this in December uh, 2020. Uh, you're probably listening to it. Those of you who are listening, if you're listening to it when it's brand new, you're listening in January 2021. We're in, in a pandemic, so you can't really get in front of a huge audience. What are your recommendations for how to practice this so that you become more comfortable and it's more natural when you get up in front of a group? Yeah, read and watch, read and watch. Now there's so many more exercises that I do when I'm working with people. I find something that they're specifically doing, going back to working out. If you're trying to build, build a huge weight lifter body, exercises are different than if you're going to be a marathon runner. However, for every person, read and watch. Read a book in front of a mirror. Just practice it. It can be any book. In fact, it should be different types of books. Read a novel, read a very technical one, and just look at yourself. Read it as if you're talking to people. Do that for three minutes a day, and your communication in one month will see significant changes. Mm, interesting. Another one. Yeah, the other one is watch. Watch back. So record yourself. Put your camera up against a towel in the bathroom while you're reading and record yourself and watch it. So many things will be fixed by you just being able to see what you're doing 
and then having a chance to work on it. This is how my golf swing got better. Mm. My golf instructor watched what I did and recorded it and then compared it to Tiger Woods. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't follow through and I could see the difference with his software that my follow through was very weak compared to what a really great golfer would do. So now that I was aware of it and what that would look like, I gave myself permission to follow through a lot more. It's best as if you have that evaluated feedback. It's so important. Yeah. You have, you have to push yourself through the discomfort of Mm -hmm. watching yourself over and over again. I mean, look at, uh, you know, think about how, these you can go to a coach like yourself and get the advice and then practice the advice but when you're by yourself if you're if you're not making those adjustments that it 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 does you no good practice is not what's important it's practice it's perfect practice it's doing the right thing over and over again and I, I get it that there's a discomfort that people feel when they watch themselves or they listen to themselves. That's natural. I feel it. Right. Listening back to this podcast as I'm editing it, I'm not going to feel great about the sound of my voice. But over the years, I just became accustomed to it and you just got to push through it. How do people right. these days practice or how do you coach them up? Do you do it uh, via Zoom or via Skype or something like that so that they can, so that they have the, you know, the benefit of your experience and it's recorded? How does it work in a, you know, in this type of a situation? Yeah, actually before the pandemic, I was already doing most of my coaching through Zoom. And so I have a system down that I've been working through and I have one off sessions I do, or I have programs I take people through Mm, where they can go online, check out the content, small groups, and then one-on-one. But in all of those, when, when I'm talking with somebody, it's recorded. And then I give them the link afterwards so they can go back and watch it. And I I stress that whole part about learning your voice. I often people say, I don't want to go back and, and watch myself and say, if you if you can't listen to yourself, then why would you make other people listen to you? And the more that you get to a spot where you accept that that's what you sound like, it's actually what you sound like, the more confident you will be in front of people. Because most people don't like their voice because what we hear is different than what other people hear. Right, right. However, it is what we sound like and we should make peace with that, accept that. And when we do, then we're not worrying what people are thinking about. We've made peace with that. And it's amazing what happens when we make peace with it how other people do as well. One of so the one of the I great encourage people. Yeah, go for it. No, no, no. One of the great examples that I heard of that, uh, Howard Stern one time was telling a story about how he hates the sound of his own voice so much that he not to be technical, but he he runs compression through his headphones, through the mixer, so that he sounds the way he likes himself to sound. I mean, we don't have the ability to do that, obviously, because we don't have <laughs> thousands of dollars worth of equipment, but the thing I took away from that was, geez, I mean, he just literally signed another deal for $90 million a year, and he doesn't like the way his voice sounds. I guess I'm normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because what's happening when we hear it, we're hearing it both through our ears and through the the bone channel, I mean, in our jawline, right? So we're hearing it so different. That's why when when I first remember hearing my voice, I'm sure I did it before, but I was a, a teenager on one of those tapes when you got the voicemail at home and you're playing it back. And, and I thought, is that really what I sound like? <laughs> and people get that all the time. And is that really what I look like from the side? We're so used to seeing ourselves from, from the front. But 
also getting used to what we look like from the profile. I remember seeing my profile going, that's not what I look like. That's not, is that me? Is that really me? (laughs) All right. So Mike, uh, tell us, tell us who you, uh, who you admire. I understand that you have a a really amusing story about who you admire. Uh, Share it with our audience, if you will. Yeah. So I I think I wrote to you several different people. So I'm thinking about uh, who I admire, um, there's a couple of pastors and a couple of parents, but which one would I write to you about, Dave? Because I'm thinking about which one was it amusing? I, I just, you you mentioned that you had a really funny story about uh, about somebody that you admire. So, you know, give us oh, yeah. the, give us the, give us the story that, uh, that makes you laugh when you tell it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so going back, the one of the people that made the biggest impact in my life was a teenager. And, and it's so interesting to see how I was, I was 10 and he was 12 and he's one of the top 10 people in my life who's influenced me. So he directed my music. He directed what I wanted to look like, how I talked to girls. He, he had, I didn't even know what Republicans and Democrats were mm-hmm. when I was 10 years old, but I became a Republican at 10. If you can be a Republican at 10 and because that's what he liked as a 12 year old listening to Russian ball. So it's just really interesting how he affected me. So I would do the different things that he did. I would match his cadence and I would get on the phone with girls. Now, by the way, I lived in Mexico at this time and I would do the things that he did and talk about NBA teams. And I would talk about with girls. I would ask them what their politics were because, and they would say, I don't know. I'm, I'm a Democrat because democracy is how they heard it in Spanish. Mm. So, so here I am trying to be someone completely different and going, it probably took about four years when he moved away for me to lose that impact on, on my own life. However, I still today stay in contact with him. And although our politics and faith and different things have, have gone different routes in life, it's very interesting to see how this 12-year-old boy made an impact on my life that has stayed with me for, for decades and how, how that can be us for the people around us. So in Spanish, you're asking people about their politics yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. In Spanish, as like a you know a 12 year old boy, I'd call these girls up because he was 14 and he liked to talk to girls on the phone. So I'd call them up, and I had a list of questions <laughs> that I was going to ask them in this conversation because I didn't know actually how to talk to girls because I was 12. And so I talked to them about what their favorite NBA team was, and uh, if it wasn't Sonics. <laughs> Lakers? Why is it Lakers? It's got to be Sonics. So that's from Seattle. And then I'd ask them what bands they listen to, right? <laughs> All right. So, so before before we go, Mike, talk, talk about how talk about making adjustments on the fly and how how you how you coach people and how you help them prepare for adversity when you're speaking, right? I, I yeah. tell the I tell a story famously about how. Um, uh, man, and it's it frustrates me to this day how I was booked to speak at a at a large event for lawyers, great audience. They have me months in advance send them the entire talk. What they have me do is they have me prepare. You have to use a. They want me to use a slide deck. I have to use a slide deck. I never speak with a slide deck. Got to send them the slide deck in advance. I have to actually give the talk and transcribe it to send them a transcript. I show up to do the event. And before we do the event, they 
look at the iPad where they're fielding questions from the audience, because a lot of times, you know how this goes in big in big groups, instead of having people stand up and raise their hands, they, they will either text in a question to an address or give the question to somebody who types it in. They decide to look at the questions before I talk and they say, oh, we have 50 questions. Would you mind answering a few before you speak? The whole speech goes out the window and all I'm doing for the next 90 minutes is Q&A. Well, short story, long story short, it was a very successful speech for me from a business perspective, but nothing I prepared. All the preparation out the window. How do you help people who are brand new to speaking prepare for adversity like that or like knocking the mic stand over or stumbling when you're right. walking up the steps? How do you help them prepare for adversity in speaking? Yeah. I want you to think about what it was like when you were in school getting ready for a test. You would study a whole bunch, not because you knew that every single thing would get there and that would be on it, only some would. And then you would take from all that you studied and you would apply it to the test. Mm. That's how speaking prep is. Okay. You prep and you might do it exactly like what you prepped, or you might change it on the fly, just like what you really described so aptly. Mm -hmm. And don't get thrown off. Just know that it's a test. It's not the, the, the preparation that you're trying to get across. So be gracious with yourself. Prep like it's incredibly important. But in, when you get there, don't go back to how you prepped. Be in the moment. Be present. The number one way to deal with all of those different things that you mentioned, the mic dropping or anything else, is to breathe. To take a breath, to pause, and a full breath. Not a breath like which actually makes you tight, mm -hmm. but where you take a deep breath in and, and let it out. It pauses you. It allows you to regain your composure. It calms your nerves. If you take that deep belly breath, it allows you to laugh at yourself. One of the things that I had a great marriage advice for someone who has just done marriage very well. When I got married, he said, Mike, you're going to mess up in marriage a whole bunch. Just learn to laugh it off with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And for us going in, breathing, being in the moment, laughing it off, it's a huge part of confidence. It's not taking everything so seriously and holding ourselves to what we prepare to do, but instead being there in that moment. Perfect. I love that advice. Thank you so much. All right. So Mike, where can people find out more about you? How can they get your four books? How can they get involved with you? Take your courses, get some one-on-one -on -one coaching if they want. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I would just highly in encourage people to sign up for one of my free coaching consultations. And even in that 20 minute time, I ask people to write out in that, in that spot, what they want to work on today. I just did that with somebody in London. And after 20 minutes, he said, that was so valuable. I want to sign up for more. So my philosophy is not to sell you on the phone. Let me just help you for 20 minutes. So tell me how I can help you. Let me work with you 20 minutes. And I trust that you'll find it valuable. And if it works, then we can go ahead and, and do something together. So that link is advanced.as.me forward slash confidence. It's a great way for you to, to book a Zoom call with me. So only do that, of course, if you are interested in what we're talking about. Right. There's a limited space, but advanced.as.me forward slash confidence. And you can also find me at mikeacker.com or Google Mike Acker, and it will take me to all kinds of places where I show up. 
All right, so advance.as.me forward slash confidence. We're going to put that in the show notes, mikeacker.com, M-I-K-E-A-C-K-E-R.com. Those are two places where you can go. I also watched you quite a bit on YouTube. I really enjoy your YouTube channel. What is the what is your YouTube channel? Let's just put that out there. I'll put it in the show notes too so people can actually see what a great speaker looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just advance with Mike Acker. So if you put in YouTube advance and Mike Acker, it'll take you there. And you know, there's a note about that, that whole YouTube channel. I purposely don't edit out any mistakes because I want people to see what it looks like to make mistakes and laugh it off and keep on going. So you'll see me and I do one shot recording and I don't go back and do it again so that people can just see what it looks like to try to connect with the audience. So could I do better? if I prepared it out of the way and, and cut everything off. Yeah. But that's not real life. And I want people to communicate and find out what it looks like to communicate in real life. Yeah. I mean, just, you used a golf analogy before you, you know, a great round of golf is not a perfect round of golf, a great speech. You're not flawless. There's no, there's going right. to be us and ums, and there may be an issue that comes up, but it's still a powerful, impactful speech. It still motivates the audience. It still makes the audience take action. And that's what you're there for. So, that's right. All right, folks, so go to MikeAcker.com. That's M-I-K-E-A-C-K-E-R.com. You can find out all about Mike's four books. If you want to book a consultation, I highly recommend it. You got great value here just in the short time we were were together. Advance.as.me forward slash confidence. Mike Acker, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for the great advice you gave to us. Folks, if you want more great inside BS just like this, join us right back here tomorrow. We're here every single day. We give you the inside business strategy. We give you the insider business secrets, and we share all the inside BS that you want to know about business, about all kinds of things throughout life. Join us here again tomorrow. Until then, make a great living and live a great life.